I'm glad to see that New Jersey has come to Iowa. How great is that? Great to have you here. And I think you understand I'll deal with you the same way here as I deal with you in New Jersey. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. Come to New Jersey. Even if you make $400,000 a year, we'll tax you like a millionaire. You want to get something done? You got to reach your hand out and be willing to compromise. Got to go upstairs. We're going to open a beer. We're going to order a pizza. I'm going to watch the Mets. I'm David First here with Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Later, we'll be talking about uh, New Jersey hecklers following Christie to Iowa with reporter Scott Gorian. And we hear about a very early peak at a tiny sliver of Christie's immigration policy with Frank Argodi Freyer, president of the Latino Action Network. But before we get to that, this week we heard about the Justice Department preparing to bring criminal corruption charges. Let me be very clear, very clear. I have always conducted myself appropriately Wait, and in that, accordance that's not, with that's the That's not law. fair. Yeah. That, that, of course, is Senator Bob Menendez talking about possible federal corruption charges. I know, Matt, this is the Christie Tracker podcast, yes. but uh, Matt, did, did this story and the story about Hillary Clinton's private emails uh, bring to mind any scenarios from the Christie administration? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, we were we've been anticipating indictments related to Bridgegate for the past nine months now. So a different, very, very high profile politician, the Democratic senator of New Jersey, gave us all a little bit of whiplash. And Matt, a, a politician, a, a friend paying for his air travel, a friend who does not live in New Jersey. Can we draw any parallels to uh, Governor Christie's dear friend, uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones? We can draw a parallel to him and then another parallel to another guy out in Vegas. So we heard Jerry Jones had paid for Christie to go see Cowboys games. Uh, Christie, huge Cowboys fan. The same defense that Menendez used that this was a friend of mine, so I'm allowed to go on his plane, is the same defense that Christie used about going on Jerry Jones's plane. Matt, here's Governor Christie in conversation with uh, Steve Adubato on uh, WNET and uh, NJTV. I've become friends with Jerry over the last five years. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. I, 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 he allows me to call him Jerry. I don't call him Mr. Jones. Um, he calls me. I call him Jerry. And I've become friends with Jerry over the last five years. And um, you know, we were at the game together in Philadelphia two weeks ago. Sure. And then Mary Pat and myself and all the children went down to Dallas this weekend, and we went to the game yesterday. Here's Senator Menendez in a portion of his press conference this week that seemed intended to draw a bit of a distinction between a Jerry Jones friendship and uh, something a little different. We celebrated holidays together. We have been there for family weddings and sad times like funerals and have given each other birthday, holiday and wedding presents just as friends do. Senator Menendez talking about a friendship that uh, apparently has uh, spanned two decades. It's fascinating. I mean, it gives you a window into how politicians live their lives, which is different from the way you and I live their lives. And it involves a real blending of your political slash work life and your social life. And yeah, these guys do have campaign donors who also give them gifts and who show up at weddings and funerals. And does that make them friends? And when you're a politician, do you have friends the way all of us have friends? Are they just like us? Or are they living in this whole other realm that is sort of impossible to regulate because they 
can't really distinguish between the people that are paying them off so they do favors for them and the people that are, you know, just want to hang out with them at the Cowboys game. Christy didn't go and then get Jerry Jones a waiver on a housing development somewhere in in Piscataway, New Jersey, but Jerry Jones' company has a major contract with the Port Authority, and Christie did sign off and approve this contract. He actually issued a press release endorsing this contract to Jerry Jones's company. This was before uh, Jerry Jones was paying for him to go to Cowboys games, as far as we know. So that's another, you know, little bit of a gray area. Matt, you've, you've spent so much time trying to chase down emails from the Christie administration while covering Bridgegate. What went through your mind when reading all of the news coverage about uh, Hillary Clinton's private emails? To some extent, I was amazed by the outrage because we haven't seen any emails of any kind, private email address, government email address from Governor Christie in five plus years he's been in office, except for one. We only have one email and that came about due to a subpoena to another guy, but we don't, you know, the, the email address, though, in the copy that we received publicly was blacked out. Do not know if he was using his government address or his private email address. I have reason to believe that he did use his private email address, at least to some degree. I don't know how much when he governed. I don't know if he used his public email address at all. I know that he texts a lot, which is a whole other realm that nobody's talking about that where, where in which public officials are able to communicate without those records becoming public ever. So I was kind of amazed that there was this brouhaha over Hillary, and then that then spilled into brouhaha over Jeb Bush and whether he has disclosed all of his emails from his time in office, and yet Christie has not been called on the carpet to disclose any. Matt, why is there not this added scrutiny of Christie's email in the wake of the Hillary Clinton story? Yeah, the, I mean, to one extent, the governor's not hiding anything. The uh, public records laws in New Jersey are so fundamentally flawed that, you know, the public actually doesn't have a right under the law, at least the way courts have interpreted it, to actually get Christie's email. So he's not actually hiding anything. But the fact that there hasn't been more scrutiny from the national press corps and from Democratic opposition groups about, you know, demanding that Christie voluntarily turn over his emails is an indication that he's not the front runner anymore. It's an indication that this is a Jeb Bush, Hillary Clinton race so far, as far as, you know, the prognosticators are concerned. And here you have a huge advantage for the governor in having Jeb Bush in the race. Jeb Bush is taking fire right now, because he's considered the front-runner, that Christie would have otherwise taken. Okay, an indication perhaps of how far his stock has fallen, but uh, maybe a, a real silver lining there. Matt Katz, reporter for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, who is also writing a book about Governor Christie that is due out later this year. Thanks, David. See you. They call it that Jersey bounce. New Jersey and you. Perfect together. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? I'm from New Jersey. This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. About halfway through Governor Christie's appearance at the Agriculture Summit in Iowa with Republican donor Bruce Rastetter, this happened. My people follow me everywhere, Bruce. It's fabulous. I'm magnetic, Bruce. They can't stay away from me. Yes, the hecklers. He was confronted by a pair of hecklers who traveled from New Jersey, and the governor's smooth handling of the situation got the lion's share of the coverage. 
But the story of the protester Joe Mangino, who is still displaced from his home in Beach Haven West, thanks to Sandy, has also been generating attention. New Jersey Public Radio and NJ Spotlight reporter Scott Gurian spoke with him and reported on the story this week. Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me. Joe Mangino flew to Iowa to tell the governor to finish the job of Sandy Recovery. Why travel all the way to Iowa to get this message across? So Joe, uh, like many Sandy survivors, is still out of his home. Uh, Here we are over two years after the storm, and he's grown increasingly frustrated. I don't want to be the guy that is always talking about Sandy. I want it to go away. You know, and we, we talk to friends, and sometimes I realize... I'm saying that, and I'm like, oh, just shut up already with the Sandy stuff. You know, I just want to sit on my couch on a Friday night and do nothing and fall asleep at 8 o'clock. I just want to get back to normal life. He got together with some other Sandy victims, formed a group called the New Jersey Organizing Project, and they've met with various lawmakers, met with uh, representatives from Senator Menendez's office, and they tried to arrange a meeting with the governor, but were told he was too busy. So, you know, the frustration kept growing. Mangino actually turned to a crowdfunding site on the Internet called GoFundMe. Uh, he asked people for 300 bucks to cover his airfare to Iowa, thinking, you know, they knew that Christie was going to be at this agricultural summit. In less than two weeks, actually, uh, more than $1,300 come pouring in, much of this from small $50 donations from other, you know, fellow Sandy victims who are also displaced from their homes. So Joe Mangino is waiting for some contractors to finish work uh, elevating his house uh, because he's in a flood zone. But why is this the governor's fault? Why is he uh, protesting? Because the program that Mangino... applied through to to get money to to raise his home. It's the RREM program, the Reconstruction, Rehabilitation, Elevation, and Mitigation Program. It's a state-run program using federal money from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. So um, Mangino applied through the state to get this money to raise his home. And uh, it's it's a private contractor, but he's working kind of for the state. Um, And so the state is the one who's in charge of, of distributing this money and basically dispatching these contractors to various people's homes to, to move ahead with the work. And a number of people have applied for this money, and, and like Joe, and, and they're just waiting months and months, in some cases years on end, uh, for the process to, to move ahead so they can move on with their lives. And so um, in this case, it would appear that you know the, the responsibility falls back on the state for why this process is taking as long as it has. Coupled with the way Governor Christie shouted down the Sandy protester in Belmar. Somebody like you who doesn't know a damn thing about what you're talking about, except to stand up and show off when the cameras are here. I've been here when the cameras aren't here, buddy, and done the work. I've been here when the cameras weren't here and did the work. This comes across as being uncaring, uh, maybe unconcerned about those still suffering from the effects of Sandy. And and that may be unfair, but... uh, why doesn't the governor do something like like meet with someone like a Joe Mangino? Wouldn't that go a long way to showing that he's serious and concerned? And wouldn't that just generate good publicity as well? I think Christie's realized kind of especially when he's on the national stage in, in Iowa with other potential presidential candidates that he needs to kind of constrain himself a little bit. Certainly, you know, meeting with these people or, or doing something to... Um, fix their situation would go a long way to help. I spoke with uh, Joe Mangino uh, this morning. And so he he goes, he went on Saturday uh, to Iowa to to protest. Uh, He comes back uh, Monday morning, 8 a.m. He gets a call from his contractor who he hadn't heard from in quite a long time. 
Um, the contractor says, well, we heard you were all over the news this weekend. We'll have your house in the air next week. And what's the message here, Scott? If you need something done, uh, get a crowdfunded ticket to Iowa? I guess so. Yeah, apparently in this case, at least. Scott Gurian, thanks very much for speaking. Thank you, David. Scott Gurian with New Jersey Public Radio and New Jersey Spotlight. This is the Christie Tracker podcast. For a long time, Governor Christie has been critical of President Obama on immigration, but has said very close to nothing about what his own immigration policy would be until this weekend at the Iowa Agriculture Summit. And granted, he didn't say much, but he did respond to a question about immigrant farm workers. We should have a clear, legal, and reliable guest worker program um, that folks in agriculture and others can rely upon that makes sense. And that's got to be just one piece of an overall approach to trying to fix an immigration system that clearly does not work any longer. So the governor says he wants a clear, reliable guest worker program. We're joined now by Frank Argoti Freyer, president of the Latino Action Network. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is such a small piece of the puzzle here. What's your take on this? Well, I mean, it seems uh, that uh, Governor Christie has this tendency to cherry-pick parts of issues depending on the audience uh, that he's talking to and then just revealing just a little bit whatever is convenient for his political goals. So he's before a farmer's group. They're concerned about uh, having guest workers, which they need. And so he reveals that, you know, he'd like a guest worker program, but he alludes to the fact that's only a a small part of a larger picture. So for me and for our constituents who are wondering what's the total picture that he'd like to present, and and that remains unclear to us. Where, Where does he stand on a path to citizenship for undocumented workers? What's his position in terms of border security? Is this the way a Christie immigration policy is going to reveal itself, uh, one little uh, sliver at a time, depending on what audience uh, he's speaking in front of? He provides policy answers on a need-to-know basis. And, you know, you see this constantly in, in the way he's approached his political career. Just to give you an example, we had been working uh, with him or trying to work with him for uh, the first few years of his governorship about in-state tuition, that is providing the same tuition rates for children uh, who are undocumented, brought over at a young age, educated in the grade school systems of New Jersey, and not charging them as if they were, you know, living in Thailand and, and coming here to school. And sometimes when he would speak, he'd throw out little hints, uh, that he was in favor of it before uh, Latino audiences. He finally uh, came out for it or gave a clearer picture of it a week or two before his gubernatorial election. This is what compromise looks like. And I'll be waiting for all the apology letters to come in from all the people who said, some in this room, um, who said that I was not serious about tuition equality and that somehow this was an election prank. You know, but again, he wasn't clear on whether or not these students would have access to any sort of financial aid based on need. You know, in the final days of that, he decided he was going to veto the financial assistance. That gives you a good idea of how he calibrates things politically, right? My vision of it is that when he's in front of Latino audiences throughout the country, uh, he'll say, you know, hey, look, we have in-state tuition now. 
And then when he goes before more conservative audiences, he'll say, look, I held the line. They were trying to get me uh, to give away the store, and I held the line. No financial aid for uh, undocumented students. Well, we'll have to see when this uh, complete immigration uh, policy is revealed. Uh, Frank Argodi Freyer, president of the Latino Action Network, thank you for speaking. Hey, thank you. And that's all we have time for this week. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker Podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First. Oh, and uh, Governor, are you ready for your sign-off? This is a ridiculous question.